0: recording okay rob howard hey so glad to be here (laughs) yeah so we were just talking about boston pizza so what was that 14 year when did you leave
1: oh gosh uh it was around oh three oh four so around the same as were you still there when i would have left just before you i imagine because there was a there was a big turnaround after in and around the time that i left and uh Couple people exited just before me, and then a lot of people exited right after me. So it was, it was kind of a bit of a mass exodus, but
0: yeah. When did you start up the DJ thing? Because it feels like forever. And I remember I ran into you at one of the derby functions. I think it was the last time I saw yeah, you. Yeah, that would have been face to face. So,
1: um, gosh, we started <clears throat> probably a year after I quit. Um, and so it was I, I must have quit in 03 because we started up in 04. When we started Momentum Productions.
0: And has it been Momentum from day one? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Exactly. That's the name I always remember. I didn't know if you had a.
1: Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, are. Uh, yeah, never really went with anything else. It was kind of. Once you brand, it's it's pretty tough, unless you're like, okay, this brand really isn't driving what, what I'm trying to do. Uh, got a lot of phone calls for clothing, though, you know, because. Uh, um. And every once in a while, I get an old lady looking for a plumber.
0: Um, (laughs) momentum pump there's momentum
1: h back in town really yeah yeah so every once in a while like on a real cold night i'll get some little old lady is this momentum yes well i've got problems with my. oh you got the wrong one (laughs) so
0: unless you're looking to dance you're at the wrong place (laughs) yeah
1: exactly it's like i could come play music for you (laughs) it might warm you up i guess it won't fix the tub though. (laughs) but
0: yeah um with the djing thing like was it a hobby before
1: uh well when i was still working at uh, bps i i did work for a company here in in town uh for about a year um it was right around christmas time and needed some extra bucks and uh, had always kind of wanted to dj but uh never had the equipment or anything like that and you know, pretty, pretty tough to get my hands on it when I was a kid and, and, uh, and then this came up and so I took on the job and really enjoyed it. And then, uh, when I quit, uh, when I quit Boston's, um, you know, quit it for some, a lot of personal reasons. Um, uh, you know. Yeah, but how
0: many children were you at by that point too? At that point
1: we were only at, we were only at three. Um, you know but we were pretty young and uh, um, the marriage was he I mean, was in question for sure and uh, and so I you know it was basically get out of nighttime business or, or lose my family and uh, so I opted out and uh, and started a, a whole new racket and became a car salesman and
0: I remember that, okay Uh, Yeah,
1: so, and then uh, it was actually through the dealership uh, A friend of mine, uh, a mutual friend of ours was supposed to DJ his wedding And the guy just went AWOL And uh, he's like, can you help me out? And I'm like, yeah, I got great contacts I know some great guys One of them was Jokum Oh, right on Yeah, and, and I was like, you know So I'll be happy to get you a good rate Get you the best DJ, you know And he's like, I don't trust anybody else I want you to DJ it. So I made a lot of phone calls, and I was like, "Dude, like I got, I got no gear, which I can solve. I can go to Long McQuaid or B Sharp or you know whoever." And uh, but uh, the bigger issue was I had no library, and so I was like, "If I can find a library, uh, I'd already severed ties with with the other company I'd worked for, so it wasn't like I could just, you know, borrow that one and go do my own thing and and uh, I actually called Jokum and. Uh, i told him expressly i'm like i'm actually not looking to start a business this guy just won't go anywhere else i've tried putting him on to you i've tried putting him on to a few other guys i know in the game and Jokum said well yeah i'm not doing anything that weekend anyway take the library and uh yeah that started the whole thing and uh, it was uh right after that um just kept going and and so was that
0: vinyl cd i
1: was all cd at that point okay. uh you know there's very few guys that were and vinyl i i would dare say there's more guys and vinyl now that's like than then the vinyl always
0: comes in its waves right yeah, and like,
1: well and i think there's that s- search for some of it's the search for the analog but some of it's the sh- search for the authenticity um you know the the real dj versus like the artist the, the, of the playlister and uh and that sort of thing so um but with the the digital age and all the midi controllers out there now um the game has changed and uh and and vinyl is there's a few guys that are still rocking real vinyl there's a lot of guys that are using time encoded vinyl and just using digital um tracks right and so Uh, you know two very different things and there's a few guys out there that I know that are doing both Um, but uh, you know it's uh, I mean the way it's changed the game instead of having to have two uh, two records of the same track in order to beat juggle and and do you know mixing and sampling now you have one digital and you can map it on both decks and and away you go um, so cost wise, it's phenomenally, you know, different. Um, well, you
0: don't have to buy a whole library then. Yeah,
1: well, you buy a track, right? You know, instead of buying, and you know, back then, I remember, I remember hanging out with guys that were DJing before I got into the game, and they'd spend thirty dollars just to get one track on vinyl. Um, you know, there would be five other tracks on on the thing, but they only wanted the one. And quite honestly, after listening to the whole record, he would go, "Yeah, you only want the one." <laughs> one hit wonder, yeah. One hit wonders
0: would he like? Yeah, like we've been in the age of like iTunes for so long now, you don't even think about that. Like you'd buy an album, and you'd be lucky if there was a second song on like the other side you might enjoy, and yeah, things like that. So it must have been quite the money sink. I just it was funny because I remember through Facebook probably someone put up um, a picture, and they were like it was like old school DJ. And it was a guy with like those milk crates and him like sorting and no one can see what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorting and filing through records. Right. And like, yeah. And it said like prep then. And it was like prep now. And it was just like this giant digital board. Right. Yeah. Looked so intimidating. Like it's not like, yeah. Turntables. And
1: well, and there's lots of guys that are, they're pad mashers and stuff. And, um, that's a whole other Artistry game. Lots of guys are um, actually one of the guys here in town, Rumpus. Uh, he's uh, he does like drum pads, and then syncs up his uh, his samples and stuff to his drum pads, and and uh, so he looks like he's drumming and he's mixing a song. Um, so I mean, there's lots of lots of different ways with the MIDI and the digital that uh, you know has totally opened up. Um, the artistry and the imagination and, and just, you know, what, what the possibilities are. So.
0: But, That's uh, crazy. Would it be harder to get into it now? It's
1: easier than ever uh, to get into DJing. I think it's harder now to get good um, because, you know, I guess it's the idea of, you know, like you know, compare with like MMA, right. You know, Back in the day, there was your Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy versus your grappler or versus your boxer or your Mai Thai guy, whereas now it's like, how many disciplines do you need to know in order to be an effective fighter? Because all these different guys are starting to double down on, on different uh, styles. And, and so how do you be a, a jack of all trades and master them all? um is really you know it can be quite daunting and so i find a lot of the young guys just become ipod playlisters and uh and and it's you know because there's so many things they could do that they um that they don't get into the the artistry of it and uh you know i myself like i um in terms of style You know, my own personal style versus what I play for the public are worlds apart. You know, like I'm a hip hop guy and we're in Saskatchewan. There's not (laughs) a huge hip hop crowd. Um, You know, we like to think there is, but there isn't. And uh, any any guys that have made it here did it through blood, sweat and tears, like not figurative, but literal and uh and they had to work really hard to to get any sort of notoriety out of out of this province Uh, and usually would have to travel outside to actually get it yeah um, and stuff and you know but you know in terms of when i'm mixing a show for a bunch of people i like to beat juggle i like to you know mix it down so that i'm overlapping one track over another so you'll have the vocals from one with the bass line from another and you kind of go oh man I love both these songs and then they kind of come together and and it's live right and it's kind of that moment of oh he's gonna and then you drop into the song that they've started to anticipate cuz you you slipped in the, the, the recognizable bass line and and that sort of thing so um, whereas other guys you know like Rumpus is I mean, he's doing production, he's he's creating his own songs, he's working it out in the studio beforehand, and then analyzing all of his stuff, putting it on the pads, and then he he plays it like a drum kit when he's performing, and uh, so it's a high-energy, you know, experience, but, um, you know, any kid that's coming in and, and looking at both those styles, you kind of got to pick one, you're not going to do both. You know and uh, and you know so I always encourage guys you know that because I work I I run multiple guys out of out of my business and uh, um, while a lot of our business is just parties you know like it's not um, people aren't there for the DJ they're there for the the interaction with the guests right and uh, and so a lot of it they could very well just be playlisters but i encourage them to experiment try something create a loop create a you know um throw in this you know cue up a a sound sample and and throw it in to kind of hint that that's what you're heading towards um so that people kind of perk up and get ready to hit the dance floor when you actually drop the song that they're they're anticipating and, and that sort of thing so um but yeah it's you know i always encourage guys try try different things but land on something. Don't don't float around for too long because eventually you just got to pick which, which one drives you, which one feels good. And and that'll be the one that, you know. And after you master it, great. You know, if you want to tackle something else after that to complement your, your giftings, great. But, you know, the big thing is getting the ball rolling and, and get, get going versus just... There's so much I can do. So,
0: Do you see lots of people kind of showing up on the scene and then petering out? Or?
1: Um, there's a lot of... There's a lot of... And I, I think this is in any industry, right? I mean, whether it's contracting, car sales. There's a lot of guys that just come in for the quick buck, make their money, and get out, right? Um, there's a lot of guys out there that are, uh, I, I'm certain, not licensed, you know uh, probably not insured uh, dare say maybe they're not even registered as a business with the city um, you know and uh, and they come in and they undercut everybody and and leave a lot of people ticked you know at the lack of uh, professionalism or the lack of performance um, and the <laughs> plethora of issues Um, that occur you know because they they didn't hire a professional and uh, because they wanted to save a few bucks and it's you know it's just very much like well sorry sucks that that was your experience you know but uh, I would say you know the biggest issue right now particularly in the wedding industry is there's a lot of brides that are doing the iPod wedding and it's like
0: like they want to make their own playlists and they
1: just want to they don't want to pay for a professional. So they create their own playlist on their iPod. So, I mean, there's a couple, a couple issues with it, right? Like, uh, one, I mean, it could be a $10,000 fine if you're not licensing your, your hard drive or your memory, um, device. Right. And, and lots of people don't know that. And I
0: mean, I totally, so for any, public function then
1: any any public function in a public setting right so if you were having a wedding at your family farm you could totally get away with it no big issue
0: but if you rent the hall down the street
1: but if you rent the hall in town even though it's a private function you um, first the, the the venue has to collect the can fee which in my opinion is probably the most legit thing out there like I've got buddies that are recording and and they get checks from SoCan on a regular basis uh, now the company that relegates the licensing for public play of, of hard drives and stuff used to be known as the AVLA is now I think connect music um, I don't know anyone that gets a check from them so might be execs might just be the labels they get money from them but that's who I have to pay <laughs> okay, to license fair uh, you know what I'm doing and, and that sort of thing and that's who you know if a bride or groom decided they wanted to go with a private playlist that's who they would need to be in contact with um, and uh, and you know get their one-time license um, is it expensive? Public. It's not terribly expensive. You know, uh, the fine is really expensive. It's like 10 G wow. hit if they were caught and
0: playing uh, copyright music.
1: Yeah, and it, you know, lots of people are like you know it's, and it's so funny because it's such a gray area. If if they were at the wedding and they just had cousin Jack with a box full of legit CDs, right, like printed. That you know, Columbia House, Sony, you know, whatever, whatever, Capitol Records, all that sort of stuff. No problem. No issue. Soon as you throw that on a hard drive though, even though you like, even if you had photos of all the stuff that you owned that was on your hard drive, no dice. Soon as it's on a hard drive, it's gotta be licensed.
0: Is it because it's on another medium? Like
1: uh yeah. If you put it on like CDRs um because you only wanted the three good songs that were on the disc as opposed to compress them all to mp3s
0: and try and make a
1: yeah same thing you would have to license that as well so
0: holy smoke i thought you had meant business license
1: no well and there is that too like like i said i think there's a few guys that are operating in town that aren't paying their their business license to to the city and and you know i mean one might argue bureaucracy blah 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 but at the same time i mean it's it goes to our taxes it goes to our schools it goes to our roads it goes to you know all the all the things that it should go to and it's um you know it should be what eliminates the hobbyist from the professionals out there and uh um you know how do you how do you carry insurance if you don't have a business license, you can't get business insurance without it. Um, you just
0: can't. Yeah. So that's <laughs> the insurance you were talking about, right? Like, yeah.
1: You know, cause I mean, um, you know, for like with our company, we, we carry $2 million liability insurance. You know, if our gear were to like randomly start on fire and, and cause the building to burn down or something like that, like there's coverage for that. Well, there's
0: yeah. Cause I remember when I ran into you at the, the Derby event, like just the sheer amount of speakers and cables running everywhere, and yeah, and you had brought people on board that were running the cables for you, and it was. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and it's, you know, it's, um yeah, you just, uh, uh, you don't ever want anything to go wrong, and 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 ninety three ninety four percent of the time, nothing does go wrong, but if something were to go wrong. I mean, you would want to know that there's coverage, right? I mean, at, at the end of the day, your insurance is just... All you're paying for is a legal representation, right? And whoever is not insured at the end of the day is who's going to be footing the bill. Yeah. Right? And uh, and so if, if, um, if you're putting on an event and all your vendors aren't insured, uh, it could be a really... Really tough issue, and uh, you know, really difficult to to wiggle your way out of out of things. You know, because what uh, you know, let's say the venue holds you responsible for the vendor's action or inaction. Well, that's that's a tough place to to be in. And why would why would you want to risk that? I mean, yeah, that's just goofy.
0: So, but how many people that want to book? A DJ know to ask these things.
1: Lots of them don't. Like they just, uh, it's all money, right?
0: So and then the lowball—that's why the lowball guy would win out in the end, right?
1: Right, and a lot of them, like I've even seen guys advertising, if it's on Spotify, I can play it. No, you can't. Spotify in Canada does not have a commercial license that you can play off of Spotify in a public setting they do in the States but you pay more for your subscription right like and uh, it's not as cut and dry here in Canada I mean Canada was probably a good 10 maybe even 15 years behind the US in terms of how to deal with the whole digital age right like down in the States everybody was digital when i started my company and up here we still didn't have any any way to license digital even if you're buying it off itunes it didn't it didn't matter as far as the as far as canada's bureaucracy was concerned everything was napster right like or you know lime wire or whatever right like it was all just you know who cares if it's itunes they're just the you know they're just making money for themselves it's not legit and it's like no like they have they have contract agreements with the artists that are on here like and the record company and the record yeah. company has you know the contract with them and stuff and so it's like this is a legitimate form <laughs> of purchase you know and it was already far outweighing you know what you know what the cds were doing at that time and stuff
0: oh, it so, changed pretty quick well, it was like well, late 90s early when was napster
1: Oh, yeah, it was the end, end of the 90s. You know, Limp Bizkit, right? So, <laughs> Metallica. <laughs> yeah,
0: Metallica. So. They still have that brought up a lot. <laughs> um, you brought up weddings. What are your other kind of, like, um, are weddings still the most actually, requested? weddings business?
1: are not my bread and butter anymore. Um, I I was working at Capitol for three years um, up until last July and uh, and so I didn't have a lot of time to invest in my advertising and while I was working you know building someone else's empire um, the game changed a lot the wedding game in the city Um, we went from a very independently driven wedding industry in that everyone was pretty much an island unto themselves you know and there was camaraderie between you know some of the DJs in town like you know uh, myself and uh, Jason Hubbs from Kings Court music and um, you know Jokum I would often refer to uh, you know I had a, a another buddy at, uh, at uh, Platinum Music who has since gone out on his own Chris Bell uh, music that um, you know we would refer back and forth you know to each other and stuff like that but there was no what is now the preferred vendors list at at venues and stuff like that which uh i missed i you know i was i was trying to hold down a full-time job and run a full-time business and deal with a very busy family life and you know couldn't do them all right you know multitasking is a myth right you're not you're not doing anything well you're just doing everything lousy you know so um and uh you know you know it's not just a man thing it's you know everybody you know and you know there's times where you have to multitask but if you can get away from it don't don't multitask focus on the things you got to focus on right and uh, so I learned that lesson the hard way because I came into a, a very dry wedding season and it was like hmm my other buddies in the industry they're they're pretty busy and uh, and I'm not so much which is okay Uh, I've picked up on the school side of things I do a lot of schools Um, I do a lot of uh, um, school musicals is probably one of my uh, bigger ticket items now Um, and then now instead of quantity of events it's more the quality of the event like you know where I was doing four Six hundred dollar shows before I'm now doing three or you know two fifteen hundred dollar shows, right? Um, so I mean, still making more than I was, uh, putting in probably similar amount of work, but instead of doing it in over a period of four or five days, I'm doing it in a period and of taking two or three. up all your evenings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. So it's you know, um, you know I've looked at a lot of different ways as to how to, you know, expand my business. Um, A lot of guys jumped on the photo booth thing. Um, I'm almost thinking that that's riding its way out. Um,
0: So we'll see. I don't see postings of it as much. Like um, when I worked at Moxie's, oh god, that's probably ten years ago now. uh, My friend Jen there, she's the one that had Click okay photo booth yeah and she kind of caught it perfectly like she was one of the first ones with her foot in the door and so i saw her thing everywhere right but that was also 10 years ago right and so like it does seem like i don't see it very often anymore so
1: i still i see them at a lot of events but there's a lot of guys out there now that are if you book with us you'll get our 600 hundred dollar photo booth package for 300 bucks Right, and so they're using it more as a selling tool than they are as a primary business anymore. It's an add-on.
0: Like, yeah. here's your Sunday, Do you want sprinkles on it?
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's your gravy to your fries. Yeah. You know? And uh, and so you know, it's so that's even changing. You know, and I think we're gonna see the industry change again here pretty quick. Um, I know with the economy, that's a lot of the driving factor right now. Um, all the rule changes in the mortgages and like you know it's just i don't know you know uh, my biggest question to this province in in terms of uh you know what could change policy wise would be with sask liquor and gaming you know um manitoba i hear you know and, and i don't know if you've heard of these but like wedding socials where they would basically what they do is they have a social just like a cabaret where they sell tickets and anyone can come and uh, and it's to raise money for their wedding and um, and so basically you know the way it would work out is um, you know a couple would make money off the liquor sales and door sales and and all that sort of stuff and I would hear about couples you know making fifty thousand dollars in a night which pays for their wedding and
0: the honeymoon and a down payment and and a down
1: payment on a home right we aren't allowed to do that here you know uh, outside of having a bona fide organization that will apply for the liquor license Um, but as individuals you can't right like if you were to have a a wedding tomorrow and you went to you know uh, SAS gaming and liquor they would say okay two bucks a drink well, you're not making money at two bucks a drink. You can't. Right? There's there's no way.
0: Yeah, That's, you might as well burn your money and
1: especially if you're if you've got bartending staff and, and whatnot to take care of, right? There's there's no way to make money. Meanwhile, if you're going to the Delta and having your wedding there, where you can't bring in your own booze, where you can't hire your own bartenders, they're charging six fifty, seven dollars a drink. And it's like, well, why can't the little guy make it ahead you know you know if we change some of these little arbitrary rules and you know and just ask the question why do we do this you know this is a silly thing to do why why is this a rule why should Manitobans have a better break and and have a better start in life than Saskatchewan people because they can have wedding socials not everyone's going to do it but if it was an option I bet you lots of and what would that do? Well, you'd have more photo booths, you'd have more DJs, you'd have more venues being rented. I don't see where the negative is. You know, you'd have more movement in the home market. More people would be buying because they'd actually have be able to come up with a a down payment. Uh, you know, it just it, you know, some couples already have a home. So they'll just go buy a new car with the ex- excess money, yeah. right? Like somewhere in the economy is going to get that money. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's just little changes like that that, you know, we could really, you know, it's very much like the uh, the film credit, right? Like, come on. Now, that was the silliest move we ever made as a province, you know, was axing that that uh, tax credit for, for filmmaking. It's like the amount of money that that business, you know, generated – in our province was well worth the little money that that we were giving in rebates and, and uh, tax breaks you know to people that would choose to produce here and stuff and uh, but I think the it sa-
0: was it actually going like the soundstage I thought there was talk of them selling that off now because there was no film industry
1: that's essentially it right because they you know Bradwall and Sass party axed it right and uh you know and it wasn't a big credit but it was big enough to attract people here and uh and you know for i think the number was something like for every million that was given out in the credit there was about 50 million dollars worth of revenue that was being generated in the province you know between makeup artists catering transportation you know hotels, hospitality, all that sort of stuff, like just the runoff that, that happens, right? And when we become so short-sighted that we don't look at, you know, it's like people that are like, oh, I hope it doesn't rain again. And it's like, well, the farmers kind of need it. Who cares about the farmers? Well, they're kind of the we, backbone we of our economy. <laughs> you know, You're they don't the do bread well. <laughs> no one else does well in this province, you know, and especially since we've capped oil. You know, like, <laughs> and so it's kind of like, guys, like, get your head heads out and look around and go, oh, these are just little easy tweaks that we could do, you know, uh, to, to make money, you know, and to, to boost the economy, without, right? If SAS liquor, and gaming changed that one rule, so that having socials was a thing here in Saskatchewan you know a, a possibility did they lose any money are they even investing any money they're not it's a it's passive income if i told you hey paul you want to sit on the couch and make money first you'd think i was trying to sell you hamway but <laughs> you know if i could show you that it was a legitimate way to make money you would go yeah for sure right and uh people just don't think of you know little things like that i mean and i get it the big picture there's so many broken aspects of our the way our government is run right now you know it's gross you know but you know where do you stop the bleeding where do you you know put plugs in and 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 how do you how do you get going again but uh it's it's just little things so you know i look at that one because it it directly affects my industry yeah you
0: know and the alternative, like, did you see that Moosejaw couple that go, did the GoFundMe?
1: Yeah, I knew the guy in high school. <laughs> <laughs> in one breath, it's like, I don't know, I'm...
0: I can't remember what they were shooting for. It was an exorbitant amount, though.
1: Well, not really. When you consider how much weddings cost...
0: See, I they, have no they idea, They were actually right?
1: being... It wasn't going to be a do-it-yourself wedding, but it was definitely going to be...
0: I'm going to quickly see if I can... I'm sure if I Google GoFundMe wedding, that'll be the... uh, Because, yeah, but I thought they had, like... Sure, there was the core wedding, and then it was like, we want this orchestra, and then we need limos, and then we want this, and...
1: I think what they were trying to cash in on is the corporate uh, sponsorship.
0: That was it. I forgot they were selling
1: yeah and so in order for they and I didn't talk to them or anything like that but my idea from reading the the few little things that I read was that if they made it as enough of a production bigger companies might want to be on board because they would want their name attached to that and I think so many people just looked at it as being tacky and
0: there was quite the revolt
1: classless <clears throat> um, you know, eh, that it just left a, a poor taste in people's mouths, especially considering th- the relation of the groom to uh, uh, someone who would strongly benefit from the wedding industry uh, being, you know, being related and stuff like that. Um, so,
0: yeah. And see, when I now that i remembered <clears throat> when i heard the whole like we're having this wedding we'll accept corporate sponsors you think that the tux is going to look like a nascar <laughs> so like he starts walking down the aisle and they like maybe across the back of his shoulders is like penzoil and yeah. like down one arm is like jiffy lube and just stuff like that but like, yeah but that's just the way i think right and i just was like man like what would the the train be for the gown right like yeah um Hilberg and Burke or something, right? Like, yeah. and just have this whole wedding paid for, then, right? But just totally be like this over-insane sponsorship thing, right?
1: Yeah, and it, I mean, it was—I um, don't know. I—I I think we overuse GoFundMe. I—I I, I think we've lost sight of what it's supposed to be, and I mean that guys, and Kickstarter are abused know, by a yeah, lot. and but I mean, the guys at GoFundMe and the guys at Kickstarter really don't care. Right, it's like they get a cut. They're taking a percentage, so it's like, yeah, whatever. If you can, if you can get money to, you can get people to throw money at your cause. Do your thing, right? We're we're making money anyway, but uh, you know, I look at GoFundMe as, um, you know, people that are really down and out, or or uh, you know, medical emergencies where they they need the extra funding, you know, and when we start diving in to pay for my wedding are we taking away from people that would give to these other
0: worthier
1: causes you know Um, and you know I guess to people that are getting married it's like well this is a worthy cause and it's like no you uh, and, and I mean 20 years right 20 years ago me and my wife got married but we did our wedding for well under 2000 bucks, And that was her buying a dress, me buying a suit, me buying things for all my groomsmen, her buying things for all her bridesmaids to wear. Um, but no we, corporate advertising. No corporate <laughs> advertising. Actually, my wife wouldn't let me make the banner I wanted to make. Um, I wanted to make a banner that said, screw you, it's our wedding. Because we were getting so many opinions as to what should or shouldn't happen and so it was you know i
0: assume that's kind of every wedding is like all of a sudden every it's either when you get married or when you come into money everybody's going to come out of their woodwork with their opinion
1: i think i think part of it was how young we were right like i was i was 20 my wife was 19 when we got married and uh and so i think a lot of people felt they needed we needed their advice and it was kind of like uh, have you met us? We're both A-listers. Like we're 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 both pretty driven people, and we both are fairly opinionated. I don't think your advice is going to steer us in any direction. If anything, if you want us to not do it, tell us to do it. You know, like
0: <laughs> reverse psychology, brilliant.
1: So, um, but yeah, it's you know, and and so I mean, that being said, um. You know there was a lot of things we didn't do with our wedding but there's a lot of people out there that can pull off a thousand dollar wedding and so if if the important thing is being married then focus on the important thing if the important thing is impressing a bunch of people well then come up with the money yourself and leave GoFundMe me alone you know is my opinion and you know obviously i'm not looking to make friends with the people that did this but uh you know i'm also not looking to make enemies with them either but it, it's just it is what it is it right is and like
0: a lot of it too is like um didn't the humble broncos fund break the record
1: oh man i mean that thing like
0: and that's a worthy cause like, as, beyond
1: as tragic and awful as it was it was like thank god they're connected to the community that they're connected to right like when you've got NHL teams taking their nameplates off and just putting Broncos on their nameplates and auctioning off, you know, jerseys and stuff like that. Even even if they weren't auctioning off the jerseys, but just to give, you know, a, you know, a little something to say this happened, you know, in terms of recognition, a moment of silence, right? Um, wow. You know, and it just you know you you watched all these different people come out of the woodwork and and how people came together and you know it was right after i kind of that sentiment dropped you know for me um that you know i can't even remember the gal's name that tweeted what she tweeted about white kids and you know blah 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 and would anyone care if it had been this or had been that and it's like I see what you're saying, but this wasn't the time to say it.
0: <laughs> like, you oh, know? that was, um, yeah, the McLean's reporter who said it was white hockey players celebrating white players. And yeah, I never. Yeah.
1: And it was just. I,
0: I never I, even looked further. I'm hoping she was canned, but who knows? Like It,
1: it doesn't matter. It was it lacked taste. I mean, if, you know. If we were honest about media and, you know, mainstream media and stuff like that, we would cancel all... Or, you know, like, there's a few few people out there that are, you know, Neutral. legitimately trying to, to report the news, but Walter Cronkite is dead. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that image in media is no longer there. You know, we don't have those, you know, even... You know, the Lloyd Robertson's, you know, back in the day where it was like he reported the news, you know, um,
0: good, bad, no spin on it.
1: Yeah. I and mean, like, I mean, even like Peter Mansbridge was fairly balanced. But even then, I mean, someone was cutting his check, you know, and so he, he had to say what he had to say. Um, but it's, you know, he gave a fairly balanced perspective on, on what was going on in, you know, Canada on the cbc and stuff like that but it's you know it's all a propaganda machine and and one side is fueling one side and one side is fueling the other and at the end of the day it's just to make people butt heads and and cause unrest and it keeps our eye off of what's what's really going on you know and uh you know without being a conspiracy theorist like there's there's a lot of things that are that are happening that. Happen quietly, and uh, and because we make noise about insignificant things, and uh,
0: getting up at three a.m. to watch the royal wedding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Truth,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> right. Like, uh, yeah. And it's just you know I don't know I'm. I think there's lots we could. There's lots more good we could do on this planet, you know than. Than what we do and, uh, and but I think we're inherently we're inherently selfish myself included you know like we um, you know when it comes down to it I want what's best for my kids you know and, and I don't see that as being wrong I don't see that as being morally um, you know uh, reprobate but I, I, I do see it as, you know, the fact of the matter is, is what I determine to be best for my kids may not be what the guy next door sees as being what's best for his kids. And so there's there's conflict on that. Right. But uh, am I willing to negotiate? You know, on that, I don't know that I am, you know, but, uh, you know, we we pedal and we buy this idea of freedom of uh, choices and freedom of expressions and it's like there's only so far you can go down that path before eventually someone's not free yeah <laughs> you know and, I, and we're seeing that we're starting to see it play out right uh, i think in ontario they've got this big thing in the the, the peel region where the uh, schools that have given way to like sharia law and stuff like that are now having backlash on LGBTQ uh, issues from from that community, and uh, so who wins? Who who gets who gets the golden ticket? And uh, and you know, is it the LGBTQ community that gets the pass, or will will the um, um, you know the the religious group get? the past and and right now it looks like the religious group is and and it's you know um what do you do right and i mean the charter of rights and freedoms expressly says that freedom of religion where it lacks in the definitions regarding you know sexual uh communities and and identifications and stuff that was the upgrade
0: that they had just recently made to it wasn't it
1: yeah, but it's still not, it's still not fully transitioned there. Right.
0: Yeah, because I think that was Bill C. Sixteen that added like.
1: Yeah, but it was Bill C. Sixteen also really heavily hit on Islamophobia, and it's like they're not compatible. <laughs> like, have you read the book? You know, uh, in, you know, and I guess I'm referring to the Quran, but you know, like. And same with Judeo-Christian and, and uh, uh, um, you know, Jewish, uh, you know, Orthodox Judaism. Um, it doesn't jive. And uh, and so which which one do you protect? When yeah. You, when you try to lump those all together in, in terms of protecting minorities and groups, you're almost, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. Uh, so...
0: And I think the notion was to be like a kinder, warmer, all including Canada, right? But you open the door to everybody and everybody's not going to get along, right? So now it's...
1: Yeah, well, yeah. And I mean, you know, I have other opinions that I probably won't necessarily bring up on, you know, this podcast. But, you know, when we look at the actions of, you know, our, our prime minister right now... um there are definitely groups that he favors more than others and uh and i think i think a lot of us believe wrongly that it's the 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 pride groups that have his interests it's not so um you know he's on record as you know saying that uh you know identifying with islam and and stuff like that and it's it's like it's a tricky path you know it's like you you might go to the pride parade and take your selfies and stuff like that but at the end of the day if if you've got a religious ideology um there comes a point where either you do or you don't believe the tenets of that ideology and uh so you either have to be in conjunction with that or fall out of conjunction with that and uh you know i don't know we'll we'll see how that all plays out the the, the great actor that we have as a prime minister right now is he's got his work cut out for him so
0: yeah i feel well. a he's far more left-leaning than what i expect a liberal party to be like far more left-leaning um it kind of surprised me like, yeah that to me that's ndp green party territory because like
1: i would dare say even further yeah but that's
0: but then that's the battle that society's in now right like you've opened the extreme left and you've let them the i heard such a great way of like explaining how they've been operating where it's like they kind of push their ideals on you right to the point where you're uncomfortable and you say like hey stop it Mm -hmm. and then they just wait and then they infringe on you a little more right and it's yeah and so like the buzz term social justice warrior right like yeah it's everything offends them they're standing up for everybody and now that i think is what had triggered trump
1: oh if it's not what triggered trump it is what um set up his platform for sure because Uh, there
0: was so much you can't say that You can't do that. Yeah. You're a white male.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, let's face it. I mean, part of becoming a 70-year-old man, right, 70-some-year-old man, is you've got opinions and you're not afraid to share them. I mean, that's what I'm looking forward to. I mean, (laughs) why get old if you can't do that, right? And that's all that Trump is doing. He sounds like... Just about any seventy-year-old I know. Yeah, he's uh,
0: short of yelling, "Get off my lawn!"
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I bet you, if he was at the White House instead of Trump Tower, he probably would shout that. Um, but you know, it's um, you know, I look at, uh, and again, I mean, I'm really of the opinion that what we see in politics versus what what hands are actually being shook and and what deals are actually going down are worlds apart and uh right like when you've got omnibuses that are being presented in in any house right whether it's here north of the border or whether it's in our friends south of the border um no one reads it Uh, politicians even admit that they don't read it and if you talk to the staffers that are supposed to have read it they will admit that yeah they read it but they didn't really understand it
0: what was the eddie murphy movie where he became was it a governor or a senator and it was like "Ah, whatever we show up for work we push yes or no for a couple things and we go accept our money for lobbying and i remember that one distinguished gentleman i can't remember so but there was a movie and it's so funny because it was like 20 30 years ago right and that's Mm -hmm. well the
1: one that i always laugh about is head of state with chris rock and uh and then watching obama come to power was like i was like looking around i'm like this is this is head of state like <laughs> this is you know uh, i would sooner have chris rock as a as a world leader than <laughs> i think his opinions are more forthright you know is not as cloaked um you know he says what he means and uh, and i don't believe uh, wow the the whole idea of politics the, you know like i don't know i'm lots of people would disagree with me on this but i i think democracy has bred what we see in politics nowadays right like what we see in politics now would never fly in a monarchy it's like the king is the king the queen is the queen it really doesn't matter what you think of them they can make whatever decision because they're the king or they're the queen who cares right complain about it all you want but at the end of the day they're king or queen so unless you're going to overthrow them by militant strength Best, revolting yeah <laughs> you best just deal right whereas now uh because we quote unquote elect them um you know people have to pander to different viewpoints and they talk out of both sides of their mouth something jean chretien could never do he only talked out of one side uh, <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> but i actually like jean chretien he was he was probably my my favorite liberal leader that that i've seen in my lifetime Uh, yeah in this country
0: i feel at some point it turned into a popularity contest and they were because then it's like oh look how great this person is look how great this person is like aside from where i live where goodale is a huge name and people vote for ralph goodale how many people were voting for their liberal representative of their area or and how many were just seeing justin trudeau right and then it's like yeah it's the head of the party like You're not voting for the Liberal Party. You're voting for Trudeau. And before it was, you were voting for Harper. Harper's Conservatives. Like, I thought he almost changed the party name at one point to, like, (laughs) the Harper Conservatives, right? Like,
1: did he or did he just embrace what everybody else was branding them as? Maybe. Because even now, right, like, Trudeau, anytime he's challenged in question period, anytime he brings up one of his talking points rather than answering the actual flipping question, right, at the end of the day when he gets flustered he's just like harper's conservatives harper's it's like the man's not even here anymore right like let's get on with it right you you keep sinking us down a hole but that's
0: the thing it's like parties in canada at least are brand it's not like the states where it's like each side boils down to what they feel right and like what i was saying with it became a popularity contest and each side kind of seemed to enjoy that like build your person up and try and sell them but then they didn't see trump coming right and then you had a bona fide celebrity yeah stepping in
1: well i mean if you really want to get down the rabbit hole i mean it gets it gets pretty dicey right because uh i can't remember what year it was that they that time interviewed trump that was like a 1997
0: interview i remember them playing it
1: and him talking about you know running in the you know the republican party because they'll vote for anyone yeah and they're easy to fool right and it's like and then you kind of go wait what (laughs) and it's kind of um you know and i don't know like you know you watch a lot of political opinion out there and stuff like that and you look at you know past democratic policy and, and past democratic vote and it's like they're a reprehensible group of people. I'm, you know, I'm sorry to say, but like on the side of slavery, they weren't. They didn't help, right? Like, not at all. Not even like, you know, four of them wanted to help. It was like a vote of zero in, you know, in regards to the whole slavery thing, right? And preceding this the Civil War and and and, uh, and then later on with like you know the uh, uh, civil rights movement and stuff like that. Like they just they did not help. The, the black community at all and uh, and you know the Democrats um, you know policy wise you know did did Trump just follow through with his, with his 97 you know interview uh, and, and do what he said he was going to do or is that who he is today I
0: yeah. honestly think he did it because did you ever see that one it was at a press conference or it was some, maybe a a dinner and Obama actually made fun of Trump saying he he made a crack. And he's like, the difference between you and me is you'll never be president. And they show it every once in a while. Like you'll probably be able to find it pretty easy on YouTube. Yeah. And then, so right after Obama says that they cut to Trump and he's just sitting there like, and I think that started the wheels, right? Like, yeah. Cause he's like proud New Yorker. Like you said, like he, speaks his mind and like fuck you i'll show you i'll be president (laughs) of the united states how hard can this be i got money to dump into it and like yeah be careful what you wish for and be careful who you taunt right well
1: and even right like i mean the guy's not taking a paycheck right like what did he take a dollar isn't that what what the reports were i never heard that but yeah he only wanted a dollar for his services as president
0: he also didn't give up control of his companies though did he or did he give it to his kids finally
1: I I didn't hear how that all played out.
0: I remember uh, coming up that, like, you can't own companies and be the president because yeah. then there's a vested interest, right? Like,
1: well, I mean, there's ways around that, though. I mean, in, in all honesty. And I
0: think that was like, oh, I'll just give it to the kids, right? But it's yeah. still like...
1: But even, even outside of that, right? Like, there are ways to excuse or recluse yourself, right? From the vote, you know, in, in matters that would be... A conflict of interest if it has nothing to do with his business like I see there being more conflict of interest with Bill Mor- Morneau and his business right and <laughs> selling shares a week before the tax rules change right like a good number of shares in him and his father's company that's dicey right whereas you know there are lots of ways to to be above board and to uh, create and and adapt policy without favoring your own uh your own companies uh at the bot at the end of the day though like in terms of tax reform down in the u.s there's whether he owns the business or whether he offloads it to his kids or whether whatever whatever any tax reform is going to benefit large business owners And I'm pretty
0: sure like his whole like make America great again revolved around like rebuilding the middle class and he and then the tax thing came out and it was like the top one percent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, now. I mean, then you see, you know, companies that did benefit greatly from it dropping thousand dollar bonus checks to their, you know, their staff And in some you know in one breath a thousand dollars really isn't much you know um, at the end of the day but to a common family as has been pointed out right that's a washer and dryer that's a new refrigerator that's you know uh, three car payments taken care of you know like um, so is it just a nothing or is it actually you know something big you know i don't know um but like with with trump in terms of you know making america great again i think i think the big thing honestly and i think if we really look at what needs to happen in the u.s it is the first amendment rights need to be protected you know the freedom of speech the freedom to challenge ideas the freedom to speak freely without people getting up in arms because we use this word or that word or whatever and just go come on right I called you a he or she I'm sorry I said you're pregnant but you're really just fat okay well I'm sorry I made a mistake right like let's not get our shorts in a knot let's just deal right like these things have all happened to, I'm sure, many of us. And it's like, at the end of the day, what? Are you dead? You know, yeah, but did you die? You know, like, no, you didn't. You, you continued living. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> and I think, you know, if America is going to be great again, I think that the First Amendment is really the the um, you know, Second Amendment. I, I agree with you know a lot of the, um, the idea that the whole idea of being able to bear arms is for tyrannical, you know, in instances of tyrannical government, right, um, and being able
0: to fight back. Um, but uh, nobody sheds that light on it anymore.
1: Well, the anti-NRAs would would really like us to lose sight of that that ideology right like it's um because that that is the premise you know and you know lots of guys are like yeah but they were using muzzle loaders and stuff like that and it's like you know okay well i'll take that argument sure you know give me a muzzle. technology has come a long way yes but you know what even give me the muzzle loader Uh, you know so i no longer have a you know access to a semi-automatic ar or rifle whatever whatever right um that Is no more deathly than a regular 22 with a clip you know Uh, but you've got the the idea with the uh, with the muzzle loader it's like if I unload a muzzle loader on you you're gonna be in intense pain you're gonna die a gruesome bloody horrible drawn-out death whereas if I had an AR I might put two in you and it's over quickly which is better <laughs> i mean we could go with your argument but you know you know and i you know and i hate saying this because everybody you know looks at me sideways when i do but if we look at the trend of the the school shootings and right it's been 30 years 30 years that we've been seeing school shootings in in headlines periodically and right now they're ramping up like crazy right but if we want to look at, and we can have the discussion about correlation versus causation all day and, and never get anywhere with it. But what started flourishing 30 years ago? First person shooters. You know, and it's like, am I saying that everyone that plays a first person shooter is going to walk down that path? No, I'm not. But I am saying that the people that are already troubled playing first person shooters are going to be that much more desensitized to reality um, and consequence when they've already got, you know, uh, mental health issues and that sort of thing. And, and it's not, you know, people say, well, that doesn't influence anyone. It's like, come on, guys. People spend billions of dollars for 50 seconds, 30 seconds on a Super Bowl ad. Billions. Billions. And you're telling me the media doesn't influence our decisions to do things yes it does you know and you know and again it's like common sense you know right like the argument keeps being made it's like we used to drive to school with guns on our gun racks in our trucks you know 40 years ago and no one was getting shot Maybe it was because everyone had a gun and, (laughs) you know, maybe not, you know, but, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's just like, we can talk about this all day long. We can, you know, uh, disagree and agree, but I think the real thing with, with Trump, you know, making America great again is, is being able to actually have honest conversations and, and saying things that, you know, people don't like to hear and will be offended by but being able to move the conversation forward because you're not tiptoeing and and pussyfooting around you know rather than actually talking about what you feel you need to talk about so
0: fear of triggering people and that's the term right you triggered me (laughs) and you know
1: i've got teenage daughters right and uh and even using the word trigger is a trigger <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh who's that guy there's a guy on youtube and he makes like fake hippie um things right and he like
1: oh the, the long haired red. red- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah he had
0: one about and don't you say my trigger phrase without warning me about you that you're going to trigger it right? yeah and it just, yeah. i love his parodies because like he's Hitting the nail on the head, right?
1: Well, yeah, and it's in a funny way, and I'm sure someone out there is offended by it, but I mean, that's comedy too, right? Like, comedy is offensive, it has been for a long, long time. Am I saying that it should be so? I don't know, but you know, like George Carlin said lots of things that I don't agree with, right? But man, he made me think, you know, and he said a lot of things really offensively, but at the same time. He made me think you know he made me stop and go huh is that what i really believe you know because i mean you know I'm, i didn't you know i'm a christian uh, you know and and so i i subscribe to that that belief set um and when i hear you know people talk about you know atheistic views and and so on and so forth i listen because i want to know one i want to know where they think i've got it wrong and two apart from that you know is what they're saying really what i believe and is their challenge legitimate because if their challenge is legitimate like if if they can point me to a place in scripture where they're they're drawing the idea from right and i can look at it in context both historically literary and and otherwise and go Oh yeah, I see how how you're saying that, and it's troubling, right? Then I can get to a better place of of what I accept as truth and why I accept it as truth. Um, You know, even if they don't fully change my views, right? But it's being able to have your views challenged so that you can go because you can be strengthened in your views when your views are challenged right if you come through it you go through the crucible and you go okay here's this tenant this tenant this tenant this tenant i'm going to measure it through all these things and go through it you can still come out on the other end and go i'm more convinced than i was before you know of the thing that they they challenged me
0: on. you found some resolve in it absolutely
1: Yeah. yeah and it's you know and so um i'm all for like having um I don't know i i think we should be controversial i i don't think we should um expose um i don't think we should expose people to ideas that they're not ready for you know um you know specifically children you know the marketing of lady gaga and now cardi b and, and 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 you know even beyonce um to children is to me it's ridiculous it's just it's um why why do we want to expose them to those things uh probably one of my favorite examples you know in like 2009 ish soldier boy right did, are you familiar with the track crank that soldier boy and like every school dance I did man, kids are requesting this thing and i like i didn't think anything of it right Tell my buddy who's you know, um, he's actually a Grammy nominated hip hop artist. He goes, You know what that song's about, eh? And I was like, I have no clue. And he told me, You know, like, you know, super soak that. Well, on the radio, we hear oh, but in the song, it says ho, right? Well, what are you, what does super soak mean, right? What does crank that mean? you know and you find out that it's it's actually quite vulgar and, and it was actually referring to like a girl who would not put out at a party and getting her stupid drunk and then uh, till she passes out and then uh, you know ejaculating all over her and throwing a towel on her back and that was what a Superman was because it would stick in the cape and it's like and we're marketing this to kids And like teachers are teaching their kids this dance and like right and it's like you know as a DJ I mean I played that song for probably a year before I found out what the the true meaning was and it's like we're marketing this stuff to kids and you know and that's to me that's where it crosses the line right like let's have controversial conversation let's let's challenge ideas let's you know um, do that but don't expose you know, uh, underaged people to ideas that they shouldn't be messing with. And please don't sugarcoat it or candy coat it so that it's easier for them to you know, or even more desirable or palatable for them to consume. Like that's you, know, you want to talk about all kinds of evils. I mean that's that to me is that's evil. You know, and uh and you know, it's like and we wonder why we have quote-unquote rape culture and, and, you know, it's like well, crank that soldier boy (laughs) super soak that you know it's just like guys, like you know, whether you're a Christian or whether you're a a Buddhist or whether you're a Hindu, I mean, what goes around comes around, you know if you plant corn, you're not going to get carrots you're going to get corn And uh, you know so when we plant these disgusting thoughts into our children's heads that's what we're gonna get out of them and there's no two ways about it and uh, and that's you know that's just where we have to go okay common sense rules now common sense laws you know and yeah let's be able to say something is wrong or right you know based on our ideologies and, and be able to raise our children in ways You know should anyone be treated differently because they identify with lgbtq or because they have a different skin color or because they practice a different religion absolutely not everybody has intrinsic value and should be treated that way but not everybody's ideas are are right and good they're not (laughs) and uh and that that's what we have to that's what we have to look at that's what we have to be able to you know we want to make Canada great again. We have to get away from suspending language, you know, and and look at, okay, how do we how do we have a responsible conversation? You know, one that is full of respect, but it doesn't lay down just because it's a tough subject.
0: And I think it degrades into a shouting match. Right? Where both sides turn off, right? Like yeah. you have what Everyone is calling the social justice warriors they're the complete left, right? And now spinning out of that is what they're calling now the alt-right. Yeah. And it, it feels like the wedge is just getting further and further apart, right? Well, and, and nobody's talking.
1: And we, I think, um, I think the danger too is, you know, um, you see people that are obviously conservative, more conservative in mindset than um, you know a lot of the you know the leftists and, and without even necessarily getting to like the antifa side of things but you know um, but then are automatically because they've said something that even s- slightly rings out as something that the alt-right might prop up as as an idea they get classified as alt-right and i, th- I think the same rings true on the left where you know someone might say in defense of lgbtq right like oh it's just a leftist or an sjw and it's like it's like no like there's been legitimate persecution of these people and they don't deserve that right and you and i may not agree or on what the causes are or what the remedies are or whatever right if there are remedies you know but what we should be able to agree on is they're a human being they deserve human respect and human decency and they deserve to be able to live with dignity right like we should afford them any dignity that they're willing to take and, and not everyone will take the dignity right but we shouldn't rob them of it that yeah, and that's where you know uh, i think that's what makes the human experience so complicated is well they don't you know you know i I hate the term because i think it's i don't know i I think it's so backwards but like slut shaming right (laughs) to me it's i i don't understand you know like i do and i don't it's like but if if a woman decides not to afford you know not to take the dignity that's that's afforded to her um that doesn't mean i should just feel like i can take it from her right and, and and so at that i agree with the idea that we shouldn't slut shame but if someone is behaving like a slut like shouldn't you be a little ashamed of yourself you, you know like as a, as a man as a married man if i'm out there you know fraternizing with I should be ashamed of, of of my slutty behavior, you know, if not for my own sake, for the sake of my wife and my children. Right. And uh, but that doesn't mean that other people should be allowed to shame me for it. And I think, you know, I think that's where we, you know, it's 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 tough to to have that conversation you know and I think sometimes we have to step away from those conversations and stew on it for a while and and before we can evolve you know personally you know not even necessarily as a society but like I look at who I was 20 years ago when you know I was slinging pie at Boston Pizza versus the guy I am today are there things that are still the same yeah but are there some things that are radically different absolutely and uh, and and my understanding of the world today, you know, one just being a husband for twenty years, two being a father for nineteen of those twenty years, um, has radically changed, you know, things that I, I think about. But even even without those experiences, I know I would be a different person than I was twenty years ago. At least I should be. Yeah. You know, and uh, and so, but I think we. <clears throat> We so often want the instant mind change. You know, we, we, we expect mind changes like ramen noodles. Like, you know, we, we want it now. And it's like, that's not going to happen. You got to let people wrestle with a, a difficult idea and then let them come to that realization on their own.
0: That too. And like the one phrase that I've heard that when it comes to this type of thing, and it made perfect sense, was hearing the phrase unearned moral superiority. Like, how often are you actually on board with that cause and want to see change and people treated fairly? Or do you just want to feel like you're morally superior to somebody else and you have power over them? Right. And that's a lot of the issue, right?
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, like, um, a conversation that happens often, you know, Uh in our home and you know we we feel and i say we i'll say my wife and i feel feel very strongly i feel that some of our children feel strongly on this issue too but it's the abortion issue right and um you know and and i personally i i don't think that that action rights the wrongs that may have have led up to that decision right and um um and and i do think it a, a tragedy i do, i do think it you know a, a travesty now do i again do i feel like i should rob women that have had an abortion of their dignity no i don't but you know the the thing that comes up a lot is the well you're a man how how dare you say whatever it's like well actually let me give you my qualifications one i have an older brother who was aborted Two, my mother considered aborting me. Three, my mother has been dealing with uh, psychological and physical issues from her abortions since before I was born, right? And it's like, so I kind of feel like I might have a vested interest in this topic, Um, you know, as an actual, not just a, you know, cute saying survivor of abortion, but... As actually I was considered for abortion and thank God that a doctor said to my mom get out of my office right which made her pause and think and and, and search out other alternatives right um, I wouldn't be here right and uh, and was my life easy no like you know people talk about being born with a silver spoon in their mouth I was born with a I was lucky to have a plastic spoon in my mouth like you know and and so my life wasn't pixies and roses because my, my mom decided to keep me uh and it wasn't easy for her like did she, she sacrificed a lot to do that but um you know that's my qualifications for being able to say now furthering that thing is well i'm also a foster parent yes i will put my money where my mouth is I will take in kids that are either in reprehensible situations or mom and dad can't take care of them. And so because of my stance on abortion, because I believe in the value of life and the intrinsic value of humans and and the dignity that should be afforded to them, I will also raise other children as if they're my own, you know and that doesn't mean that i i intend to form them into what i think they should be but rather i want them to have a fighting chance at life when they become adults you know and uh and, and you know that's um you know how do they how do you cause them to contribute to life and, um for themselves not for the sake of society society will continue to go on and and it's whether it's a great form or whether it's a perverse form it'll just it'll keep going but um you know the how do they continue as as people and uh and so you know i think you know we should you know if if our actions don't line up with our ideals we need to either examine our actions or we need to examine our ideals (laughs) and and reinvent one of them You know, uh, and, uh, you know, like, I really have trouble with, you know, what they refer to now as like virtue signaling. It's like, stop it. Stop pretending. This is what you guys have always hated about the church is the self-righteous. That's what virtue signaling is. Don't tell me you're doing good. Just go do good. You know, don't tell me you're gonna do good or that we all should do good. Just go do it monkey see monkey do and when we we start doing those things yeah there's times where you should have a conversation with someone and say hey have you ever thought of fostering have you ever thought of providing respite for a foster parent have you ever thought of um going down to a mission house and helping drug addicts you know but that's not that's not to be done from uh the prime minister's office that's to be done in in relationship with with someone that you go hey man like you struggled with alcoholism right why don't you help other guys you know you obviously don't struggle with it anymore why don't you help other guys get to that point you know or whatever right and it's um i don't know those are the conversations we need to be able to have and uh but it's it's not it's not what we you know even you know i don't know about you but i watch a lot of those youtube do good youtube vids where it's like i love seeing that stuff right i hate the fact that some people just do it to to make the money or get the subscriptions right and uh you know but it's very much let your ideals and your actions coincide and be honest with your ideals. Follow them down to their very, the very end of their logical play out, and go. Hmm, is that really what I want out of life? Right, like the capitalism that Canada and, and the U.S. have embraced is really just corporate socialism, right? And it's like so for against socialism, you know, voting whether we're voting Republican or whether we're voting conservative, it's like. Is this, are they just going to continue to perpetuate corporate socialism? Because that doesn't help anybody. Right? And, uh, you know, so follow your ideals down right down the path and then live by them, you know. So
0: I heard a great thing. Um, it's, have you heard of Jordan Peterson? Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts on him?
1: Um, I don't agree with everything he says.
0: And you, yeah.
1: You know, but. Um, one, I mean, the guy's got the patience of a saint. <laughs> like, when he's interviewing with people, like, man, I uh, I can get my foot out of my mouth pretty easily nowadays because of how many times I've shoved it in there, right? Like, it's, it's pretty stretched. Um, you know, whereas that guy seems to be really good at not even you know lifting his foot past his knee right like
0: (laughs) he's very articulate and very well thought on everything and i really enjoy him and it's like you said i don't agree with everything yeah because he's whatever but like um and the one thing i liked is he has his new book called 12 rules for life and it's the first book i've probably bought that isn't a comic book (laughs) in like (laughs) hey where it go welcome to adulthood there's no pictures it's bullshit (laughs) um (laughs) Um, But yeah, like one of, and it's so, and he does bring biblical things into it too. Right. And I like his notion that like, you can be an atheist, but there are rules in that book that are time tested and true, just ways to live. Right. Like, um, uh, like one of his rules is have your house in perfect order before you go out and attack the world. And like, that's the old, like, don't throw stones Class houses thing right but how many people are on a crusade when their own personal life's a mess right and just like stand up straight um just and i like his other thing is um he's really against the whole self-esteem notion because he says people get pumped up with like well you should feel good about yourself you should always and like life isn't like you said life isn't always like rainbows and now I think we are filled with like so much like self-esteem and like at school track meets, everyone gets a medal and like everyone's got to feel good 24 seven. And I don't think people know how to feel bad and not let it completely impact them.
1: How then do you really feel good? Right? Like it diminishes those that deserve the award. Yeah. Right. You know, when, when your trophy looks like everybody else's, but you were first place care what'd you do it for
0: and that's the other thing that he said like he has had i've listened to a lot of his lectures and stuff and he said it removes the desire to strive for something
1: yeah totally and that's where you know like uh and i'm sure you've you probably listened to ben shapiro yeah. uh, i mean you have to have fast ears but um he's very lawyer talk yeah and but i mean He talks about, you know, true capitalism is the great corrector, you know, in the sense that, you know, if if we actually let a free market determine who succeeds and who doesn't, the people that um, are out there doing heinous things and they're brought to light, like obviously there has to be some transparency for it to fully, you know, work, but um, they'll fall off the map. Right? Like if, you know, if people are angry because a baker won't make a cake for an LGBTQ couple, um, in true capitalism, you stop doing business there, that baker no longer makes a living, right? I don't necessarily believe that's the right thing, but it is the great corrector and, and you know, oh, there's a lot of people even within the church that, well Jesus was actually a socialist and it's like, no, he wasn't. He was, he was no such thing as a socialist. You know, he, one of his parables he talks about, uh, it's called the parable of the talents, and the talents not being your your giftings, but rather uh, a form of money, right? And, and, and one servant got one talent, another servant got two talents, and another servant got five talents. And the one, uh, the one with five went and made five more with the five talents he was given. The one with two made another two talents with the one he was given. The one with one... Went and hid his in the ground because he didn't want to lose what was already given to him. And so when the master comes back, he goes, Well, what have you done with the talents I gave you? And the one comes back and says, Here's ten. The other comes back and says, Here's here's four. The other one comes back and says, Well, I knew you were a hard man and that that, you know, if I lost this, you know, you would be very angry with me. So here's the one talent you gave back to me. So he took no risks right he just hit it in the ground who was cast in into the place of outer darkness and gnashing of teeth the guy that did not bring a return on the investment you tell me jesus isn't a capitalist uh, you know I'll, I'll tell you jesus is neither republican nor democrat he was neither conservative liberal or ndp he's none of those things if we try to make you know Um, Jesus of the Gospels uh, into a political party figure we will fail every time you know at the end of the day you know as a capitalist or as a um, conservative or republican or whatever you want to identify as if you believe in the ideologies that Jesus proposed right you have to ask yourself does my action match up to his expectations and and that's you know for me really like you know i mentioned the the whole foster care thing the amount of times i I read in scripture about taking care of the poor whether it was the old testament or whether it was the new testament whether it was the words of jesus or whether it was the words of an old testament prophet i was like holy snap like this is a big deal and it forced me to go i can't say I believe this book and not act on on that because it's such a big deal in the book um, but you know like Jordan Peterson said there's a ton of principles and stuff that whether you're an atheist or whether you're agnostic or whether you're um, you know even of another religion altogether if you actually enact on those principles that are expounded on And some of them are ingenious. Uh, You know, like, I don't know. I I find it funny because I, I often will have online conversations with atheists and stuff like that. Or I'll watch online conversations with atheists. And one of the things that they just constantly dog on for Christians is the book of Leviticus. And it's like if you really believe the Bible like you have to do all these things that it says. And these things are so foolish. And they'll often talk about like things like the mixing of of clothing, you know, and and and, uh and so I kinda just, you know, being the geeky nerdy guy that I am, I was like, Well, why would God say that? Like it just seems so asinine, right? And so specifically, what it says is you should not mix linen and wool. Well, wool is a natural fabric, and so is linen, right? Linen is used to uh, draw moisture away from the body in in arid and dry heat. Wool, on the other hand, will, because of its animal fats and stuff, if moisture gets trapped into it, can spontaneously combust when when there's moisture in the wool and, and constant rubbing. So if you mix linen and wool together... That draws the moisture in and the wool the animal fats in the wool can spontaneously com- can combust because of dry heat and moist moisture in the fibers that was a bad idea God was just essentially saying hey if you put these two claws together you're gonna die you're gonna burn you're gonna spontaneously combust like they did in South Park but not because they were holding in farts but because you're a wolf weaving cloth together right and it's like who knew that you know and then even beyond that like i started getting into some really weird like you know stuff out there but i don't necessarily not believe the the information but like it was talking about like the frequencies of those two claws and that they actually um the idea of um frequency regeneration and health and how like different claws like wearing linen or wearing wool Is really beneficial for the body because of their frequencies but they're opposite frequencies so if you mix them together it cancels out the frequencies so any benefit that you would get out of wearing either one of those things is cancelled out and it's like okay this is stuff that these nomads would have had no idea right they they wouldn't have even been on their well okay maybe I maybe I'm being a little bit um, presumptuous Because maybe they did know that. Maybe they did have a a really keen understanding of science. Uh, You know, you look at the pyramids and how long they've lasted and how long we can build a building to stand for nowadays. I think they knew some things more than we did. But, you know, um, it's like that's some really uh, high-tech information that is in this ancient book, and it seems so asinine, right? Like it just seems like this goofy thing and um, how much
0: is lost in translation like how many times have those books (coughs) been translated right from this language to this like did you see um what was it they took it was a video game i think it was hard it was something right and they took like the text off of something and then they moved it to like german to french to spanish to this to this to this and they kept moving it to language to language using a translator and then by the time they slid it back to english it was it didn't resemble
1: right google translate i mean they i think guys were making like uh parody videos of like songs and stuff and doing that type of an idea really really funny stuff but um when you look at the uh i think in terms of the translation from language to language, I don't think we lost a whole lot. Where I think we lose the most is historical and cultural context, um, because um, we in the Western world, um, most of our scholarship is based on the on a Greek on the Greek mindset, right? But the Bible is written from a Hebrew mindset. And they're actually inverted they're inverted mindsets they 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 don't they're not really very compatible and uh, and it was one of the reasons why there was always conflict between the Greeks and, and the Hebrews way back when is because they approach things very very differently right like um, uh, and and it was just you know um, is Hebrew is, is the Hebrew mindset is very inquisitive And very like um, what will happen or why this and why that why question 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 query 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 whereas the Greek mindset is more method 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 and and so they don't really jive very well and so we have um, even in like seminaries and Bible schools and stuff like that have approached reading scripture from a Greek mindset and it's like we wonder why it doesn't make sense to us right whereas um when you start to read it from a different mindset like even you know the idea of going why would god say don't weave these two claws together as opposed to going well that's a stupid thing you know that doesn't make any sense and then just moving on to the next thing right and um and so like and and kind of where i you know started to understand this a little bit better was uh i I would say probably when i went to israel uh in 2012 um i I just like i i saw and and met people that just made me really kind of go i think i've been approaching a lot of these things the wrong way you know and so i started You know thinking about things and even you know coming home I I looked at um, most of the New Testament is written by a guy named Paul right and uh, what I realized about it was was it was like a one-sided phone conversation Paul was writing a letter in response to letters that were written to him but we never get to read the letters that were written to him we just read his responses and so when I'm reading the New Testament, I'm like, Mom, what? You know, like, as a kid, I remember, you know, Mom would be on the phone. I'd be like, well, what'd they say? What'd they say? What'd they say? Because I was interested why she was responding the way she responded, you know, and even sometimes to maybe fact check what she was saying. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... How dare you? <laughs> you know, but, like, Paul says some things that are quite controversial and, and a lot of things that a lot of people go oh do you really believe that you know like um one of the great ones is i, I uh, uh, what is it it's like i suffer not a woman to speak right and everyone's like paul wouldn't even let people speak like the the bible is misogynistic and patriarchal and blah bitty, blah bitty, blah and it's like actually if you look at it because there's a whole other spot where he talks about how a woman should speak in church so obviously he didn't say a woman shouldn't speak he's if he's saying later on this is how she should speak or what she should do when she speaks but it's actually a quote he he quotes someone but because there's no there's no um
0: context to it
1: and there's no punctuation in greek right in the greek of the new testament greek there is no punctuation marks they don't know where there's quote lines and There was little annotations that sometimes appeared and sometimes they would mean a quote but he was actually quoting someone saying that and then responding to it and so it's like one of these great things that we say that paul says about women in the church it's like that's not what he said at all he's quoting what someone said about church and then he corrects them on it and it's like so you know and and so when we start to look at things more inquisitively right like and the reason I say that you know I don't think we've lost so much in terms of the actual physical translation in those books is because we have you know X number of copies of each each book right and between all those different copies um, the, the amount of um, discrepancy is like it's not even statistical like it's like it's so minuscule it's like they're off by a letter and because you've got these 14 documents to reconstruct the original with and to compare and go okay which is the most probable it's so unquestionably this is the actual this is what it should read that it's it's actually better than if we could say this is the original here's the original have it you know we're actually better off having 14 copies of the original with their own little errors or mistakes um and then being able to make one solid work out of those 14 than if we had had one original that could have been manipulated could have been lost could have been edited and uh and that sort of thing. So it's crazy stuff.
0: I've learned so much today. <laughs> I'm going to end it there. I usually go 90 minutes with cool. everybody. I totally appreciate this. Yep. Um, we went everywhere from DJing and then we went to kind of a, the dark places of society. And then <laughs> ended up with a South Park reference near the end. <laughs> um, Momentum Productions still to this day?
1: Yep. Still to this day.
0: So. Right on. Anything else you going on you need to plug?
1: Um... Uh, i don't think so I, I think that's um that's about it so i mean uh if you're looking us up online it's uh regina wedding dj.com and uh yeah we'll go from there so.
0: right on i appreciate your time and it was awesome catching up with you it's good to
1: good to talk to you paul thanks right on
0: time. thanks